You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. going to bring absolutely nothing to the table today because I have not been able to watch much curling or done much of anything. My entire house has had colds all week. Not COVID. Remember colds? Colds are back. Yeah, I know. I, I like lecture and no one's wearing masks anymore. And then they just start coughing all my students. And I'm like, is that COVID? Is it a cold? So we've learned nothing over the, from the last two years. Humanity has learned nothing. I, so I've been to the mall twice in this weekend, once to see a film last night. And then today Mm -hmm. just to get clothes shopping. So I also realized that, um, my steady diet of sweatpants (laughs) doesn't cut anymore now that I have to make public appearances. So, um, yeah. And no one at the mall is wearing either. No one at the mall, no one at the mall is wearing masks. No mass. And then Alice was like, here's the thing that here's the thing we both didn't realize we'd forgotten is like how how attractive malls are for like making you want to buy stuff. <laughs> like I want to go buy like one pair of khakis and one just like Oxford blue shirt, just like very basic. I'm just like, I just need something to go lecture in. Very, very, very professorial. Did you get did you get a, a blazer with elbow patches while you were at it? I, I got clothes. I kind of, I went hog, not hog wild, but it was like three shirts. And then it was like, oh, here's a nice Tommy Phil Hilfiger linen shirt. No, here are these nice Banana Republic slacks. And it's just like, oh. just start like throwing money around. <laughs> and then I wanted a blazer, but then I'm like, do I need a blazer? Like how I basically have like two go-to blazers. And I'm like, I wear a blazer once a year. I don't think I need a third blazer. So, you know. Anyway, the point is, and then Alice, of course, she, she didn't come for anything, but then she went downstairs she's like, oh, a green sweater would be good. We're just like going hog wild, right? Yeah. I haven't <laughs> bought I haven't bought anything in two years. So. Exactly. I kind of like it. I, if I could keep my job permanently like just Zooming and giving lectures that way, I'd be happy with it. But sadly, the students want me in person. They want me live. That's That's a first for you. Well, before the pandemic, they wanted everything recorded. That they was they were actually demanding it, and now, now they had a year of everything recorded. They hate it because they realize how crap it is because it is crap, and now they want us live. So yeah, I I read your rate my professor reviews from back when you were at the University of Oklahoma. Oh so God! Now I, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the first time that you've actually want that your students have actually wanted to see your face in class. Oh, they weren't that harsh. <laughs> they were they were pretty harsh. <laughs> Those are nice ones, man. You haven't seen like uh go look at some bad ones. <laughs> I mean, I saw the one that called you a space alien. Wow, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> what what's funny about that is actually I don't give that many C's, and so I have a pretty good idea what student it is. Because it's like I think it's something like this is a space alien who came down from his spaceship to trick us with his questions and give us all C's. <laughs> yeah, you had some pretty harsh reviews on Rate My Prof when you were in the States. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, how would your good. how would your team review you? How would uh, how would the English uh, English junior team review you? Well, they haven't fired me yet. <laughs> we also don't have many other options. They could bring you. <laughs> they can't afford me. So, what do we want to talk about today? Um, like I said, uh, I have no idea because I have been taking care of a sick child and chugging Robitussin of my own for like a week. So uh, I've been able to sort of pay attention to the curling, but I, I can't, I can't give you much, man. All right. I'll run it through it. Let's start about with wheelchair curling. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was able to pay attention to that. Obviously I wasn't able, (laughs) I wasn't able to watch it because really no one was except for the, did you see like how, (laughs) Yes. The live stream. All right. So people who, so midway through the wheelchair curling championships, the Swedish curling federation like figured out that there was a Chinese television app that was in Chinese that you could download and then watch broadcasts of the wheelchair curling championships, which were going on in Beijing this week. But so you had to go and download this app that was all in Chinese and then click the broadcast that had a little curling stone next to them in order to watch. And I was just like, guys, I, I love curling. I'm not putting this on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) So the the fact that there were broadcasts and the WCF couldn't figure out how to put it on their YouTube channel, like I don't get it. Well, okay, so it's called the great my, – my wife actually travels – or in the before times traveled to China a fair bit um, just for work. And uh, it's called the Great Firewall of China for a reason, right? Like, First of all, every time she goes, whatever whatever system of communication we use the first time gets blocked. So she'll like Facebook message me and I get it blocked the next day and then it's WhatsApp. And, and then she's got a VPN for work. But then her work gives her a separate device where she downloads all the Chinese apps because they uh-huh. don't want that on the university stuff. And so they basically – No, absolutely not. So, so the big thing in China is called WeChat, which is – she insists yeah. is actually better than Facebook. But also yeah. like everything you say and do is – well, I guess with Facebook too, everything you say and do is monitored by, yeah, by Mark like, Zuckerberg. But just, just like Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's by the Chinese government. And so – it's very hard to get stuff around the Great Firewall of China if you get the get the drift. So I'm not surprised they wouldn't let YouTube just broadcast it. Um, like you, I would not download an app like that to my device. But uh, no, I did not. Your mileage may vary, so you know. But I think the bigger thing is um, the standings and who all qualified. Yeah. So the this was the last world championship that had qualification points for the Paralympics Mm -hmm. and basically the teams that were already in the top 12, those are your teams that are, that are going, nothing changed. Italy was the only team that could potentially um, overcome either the United States or Estonia to make it in. Uh, They did not. So the United States and Estonia uh, and Estonia did not participate in these worlds. Uh, they got the last two spots in the Paralympic. As we said last time, is basically 
three teams at the bottom of the qualification standings fighting it out for two spots. So it was USA, Estonia, Italy. USA finished fourth overall. They had a really good week. Estonia didn't play, but had enough points to kind of grab the last spot. And then uh, Italy did not um, did not get enough points, so they didn't qualify. RCF won the bronze. Sweden mm-hmm. won the silver, and China won the gold. So that's the, those are kind of the big questions, I guess. Who wins the medals, and then the USA and Estonia snagging the last two world qualification yeah. Olympic qualification spots. Yeah, really great to see the U.S. I mean, as as an American for me, it's really great to see the United States go from going from the World Wheelchair Bs and winning that event to get their place in these World Championships, and then making the playoffs and finishing fourth after having to qualify from the Wheelchair Bs. So exciting to see that, and also exciting to see our friend Oyuna Aranchemeg uh, go back and listen to our interview with her. She has an absolutely incredible story about how she went from. Mongolia to the United States to the U.S. wheelchair curling team uh, to see her now help the U.S. qualify and hopefully that means that she will be a Paralympian. Yeah, and she got she got I guess she was technically registered as an alternate, but as she said in our podcast, um, they go with who has the hot hand, and so she mm-hmm. was getting game time throughout the competition. So it wasn't just sitting on the bench. I think they did a rotation. It looks like so. Um, Good result there, and I assume that will then be the team that goes to the Paralympics, uh, those five, but uh, you never know with selection, but uh, that was pretty good there. Also, I do want to touch on one thing before we move on from the wheelchair curling championships is two, two of the teams that have qualified for the Paralympics are Slovakia and Latvia, uh, so it is good to see two countries that aren't your, you know, typical curling powers making their way into the Paralympics. So I'll be, I'll be excited to see how Latvia and Slovakia do in the Paralympics. Yeah. Uh, So the second thing, since I'm on the website right now and I'm kind of scrolling through the events, um, the America's challenge, the last ever America's challenge, the last ever America's challenge, uh, the first time and probably last time. (laughs) The WCF event will be held in Lacombe, Alberta, I believe. Uh, never so know. you never know. You never know. Um, the I'm going to click through to the website. So it is Brazil, USA, not USA. Brazil, Canada, and Mexico are the three teams, and it's a double yeah, with, robin with Brendan Botcher representing Canada. Brendan Botcher representing Canada. Uh, Darren Molding's home club, where he makes the ice. I'm not sure if he yeah. makes the ice for this event, <laughs> but. Uh, be pretty funny if he was. Yeah. So we are recording this on Sunday afternoon, England time. Canada has already clinched. Yeah. Have yeah. they are three and zero? Uh, Brazil is one and two, and Mexico is zero and two. And at the moment, we've got live score here. Let's go to the scoreboard. Very exciting podcasting. Brazil is up one <laughs> nothing on on Mexico after the first end and draw five. One more draw left to go. Yeah, Brazil's win, Brazil's win over Mexico in the first game of that double round robin was the Brazilian men's teams, uh, I believe, their first ever win at uh, an America's uh, America's Challenge. Yeah, and so that's I think okay. So this is better than some of the previous ones where it's just like 
a series, right, against Canada or the U.S. So it, the other teams still get to get some matches, international event. But I, I actually, I actually think, given this format, that the it, this is kind of a str- even stronger case for the new Pan Continental Championship, right, where the teams from the Americas can play some of the teams from Asia also, and kind of get a good chance to kind of get a lot of games in and, and build a, a national program that way. Yeah, I think the I think the Pan Continental uh, helps the teams in the America zone more than it helps the developing teams in the in the uh, Pacific Asia region. But yeah, these these teams getting the chance to get more games at the international level when they go to the the Pan Continental Championship, I think it'll help them out. But uh, definitely. Definitely more of a help for the teams like Guyana and Brazil and Mexico than it is for the teams like Nigeria and Hong Kong in the Pacific Asia region. Yeah. Okay, next thing. So now I'm on the Curling Canada website. So we've got home hardware, men's and women's curling pre-trials. I didn't get to see much of this event, but I got to see a couple of games. I got to see the Pat Simmons Fournier game in its entirety. I got to see a bit of the game between Harrison and who was it? It was a women's game. I can't remember. Saw a bit of that. Got to see Hardy and Sturme, which I think was kind of interesting because they're probably after Cooey and Botcher, they're like the next two big teams in Alberta. And they had a pretty good, pretty good battle there. Um, and uh, they they don't normally get on TV, so I thought it was nice to see that tier of team. I'm not sure. Did you get to watch any of this event, Ryan? I uh, didn't get to see much. Um, I forget the game. Honestly, I was on cold medicine, so I forget the act. I forget. I seriously, uh, it's been a rough week, man. Yeah. Uh, so I, I forget the actual teams that I watched, but I was able to watch some of a couple of games. Yeah. So, A, it was on streaming. It was better. The streaming quality was better than the pre-trials, both just the video quality. I'm not sure if it's just because there's less social isolation in place or Curling Canada's figuring some things out. Or they probably they may have had the cameras that they're using for the TSN broadcast this weekend. That was my guess as yeah. to just why the, the, the overall quality was a lot better. It's probably the same equipment. My guess this may not be the case, but it may have been the same equipment that they're using for the for the broadcasts that are on TSN this weekend. Yeah, and so yeah, it was it was a nice event. I I think there's a strong like I like this tier of event. I uh, I know it doesn't have as many of the big names, but there's a lot of the next gen teams in here. There's a few kind of see Pat Simmons kind of make a little run. That was a bit fun. Is Mike Fournier's last tournament. He just missed out on make, making the playoffs. So, so that was the end of a kind of really nice career. Uh, Paul Fleming had a really nice run, won a big game to get to the playoffs, didn't didn't advance, but uh, kind of got knocked off by Gunner. But it was still nice to see that too. Um, so as, as of this recording, Team McCarville on the women's side has clinched the first of the two burps to the uh, Olympic trials. And then the final... Final berth will come down to a game between Corin Brown and Team Harrison. And then on the men's side, uh, Team Gunlickson has qualified, and we're still in the playoffs right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a drawn-out playoff structure, right? So it was two pools, mm-hmm. Matt Robin, 
top three advance one and two basically play crossover games. And then the third place teams start off in the B bracket uh, far back and basically a, a B quarterfinal. Uh, so kind of, it's a bit of a strange structure, although I don't think all that strange. That that makes sense to me. That basically you finish top of your pool, you get two kicks at the can. Yep. And if you grab the last playoff spot, you only get one kick in single elimination, which is, I think, very fair. Uh, makes a lot of sense. What was interesting is a, there's a there's a couple of young teams, both on the men's and women's side, that, that didn't quite punch through. So Team Tardy kind of, you know, they got, they got the last playoff spot, but then got bounced pretty quickly. And then um, on the women's side, same thing with Zacharias McKenzie. Like the, those teams like that, this is in the Sturme and Hardy rinks, right? They're all like teams in their early 20s who I think will be the, the people four years from now that will be probably qualifying for the, the, the trials on points, right? So it's good to see kind of the future. And I think kind of having this event's a, a good a good thing and hopefully gets a little bit more coverage that I actually think the more for lack of a better term tier two events that get good media coverage and exposure through streaming, the better. No, I agree. This is basically, it's, it's basically your younger teams, like your, your U 25 level teams. And then your teams that maybe due to geography don't get, or uh, or work schedule don't get on tour a whole lot. So you had like your Jill Brothers team from from Nova Scotia. You had Christopher Krista McCarvel from Northern Ontario teams that are very good, but just for one reason or another uh, can't get on tour a lot. Um, and then you have kind of your uh, your Sherry Andersons and your Glenn Howards. Yeah, <laughs> well, I like too. I like I kind of like. Uh... <clears throat> gives gives me it's kind of like it's kind of like the it's kind of like watching um olympic the olympic men's soccer tournament where it's a u25 tournament except you get three overage spots so like uh when it was in rio um brazil decided to stack their team and put neymar as one of their one of their <laughs> overage players to try and win the gold it seems like that it seems kind of like that yeah yeah i think it's you know i there is some quote unquote star power, but you also have a lot of the the players that are going to be the players that you see at the Briar and the Scotties for the next ten years are the ones in this event. So it was fun to see. Exactly, I think I think if you're like a diehard curling fan like us, it's good to see. And and to be honest, I I've seen Kevin Cooley play so many times now. It's I only really like watching him in the big games at trials and Briar stuff. It's not super interesting for me to watch a Cooey stream game at like the Penticton, uh, <laughs> Penticton, I don't know what, uh, toaster spiel or whatever. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Penticton. I'm sure you have a very prestigious event. That's not a toaster spiel, but I'm just trying to think of like that tier of event. Um, and actually to me, it's like, it's actually interesting to see these teams because you'll see, you know, if you're like us, you go to curling zone or one of the other sites and you kind of look at the spiel results and maybe you don't get to ever see, uh, these teams kind of live on TV, or maybe you see them once every couple of years that they punch through to a Scotties or a Briar. But uh, it's nice to see them. Good quality games, lots of good shot making. And if you if you want to do any scouting, these games now exist on YouTube for all to see for all eternity, unless they get pulled down for whatever reason. Yeah, and I think that's good too. There's like a good good curling library of games there too. So that was fun to watch. Uh, 
Next event, Ryan, do we want to go to America or do we want to go to, where do we want to go next? USA doubles? Yeah, sure. So at the USA curling mixed doubles trials, you have Persinger and Plies. They are in the championship game. They will face the winner of Anderson Dropkin versus Jamie Sinclair and Rich Ruinen. So a lot of big names there at the U.S. Curling Mixed Doubles Olympic Trials. Yeah, and not really a big upset either, right? Uh, uh, kind of. Peterson Polo losing to Sinclair Ruinen, uh, kind of an upset there because they've, they've been uh, national champions before during this quad. Um, so yeah, kind of a surprise to see them out in the 3-4 game. I don't know. I mean, it's Jamie Sinclair. <laughs> she's like a very good shooter right so i kind of feel like you know, maybe maybe her and rich ruinen don't have as much mixed doubles tour experience but they're both very good shooters both won national championships i once upon a time i believed in specialists for mixed doubles i've got to say i think it's just a shooters event the, like after uh after caitlin laws and johnny mode is like tore through the olympics last time with basically no prep no whatever like obviously prep, but they, they basically focused on four person curling for the quad. Um, like to me, it's it's primarily strong shooters, and so it's not terribly surprising that you have the skips of most of the national U.S. teams kind of in the in the final three, right? Yeah, I mean, in in Switzerland, Pere and Rios are kind of the last of your mixed double specialists that are uh, competing for a possible medal at the, at the Olympics this year. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that'll change long-term, but I honestly, the way that that game's played, I think it's just shot execution without sweeping or with minimal sweeping. So uh, not surprising the best overall shooters end up rising to the top. Yeah. We saw that uh, out of Scotland, seeing uh, Jen Dodds and Bruce Mowat winning worlds last year. Yeah, and same thing. Like they, so Scotland for a while, or Team GB for a while, opted for a specialist yeah. program, and then basically switched from that. After I'm not sure if it, it was simply because of the the Team Canada results, but they went to a a squad system where everyone who's on the squad plays mixed doubles and is partnered up with someone, and uh, they use that for their selection system. Yeah, very similar to the way uh, Team USA is doing it. Which you yeah. do, I mean, you at least have a path for the teams that aren't part of USA Curling's national program to get through to championships. But for the, the, the teams that are at the top right now in the U.S. are teams coming from the national program who have been paired together. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's good. I think I think one thing with the British system is... Like at least with you don't really get to see much of the curlings. It's basically behind closed doors, the National Curling Academy. So you just like obviously they're playing a lot of games and being watched by the coaches and selectors. But it's less of a there's less of an event feeling feeding into it, which is you know as a fan's perspective perhaps a bit disappointing, but perhaps makes sense this given the size of the program. Um, and so that is a good way to pivot to the next bit of news. So. All right, so British Curling has announced the te- the women's team. So recall, we talked about this last episode too. 
And, and I just want to brag that I said that they would announce the team for just the Euros and not the Euros and the OQE. And you shot me down and thought that there was no way that they would do that. And then I wound up being right. So I just want to get that out of the way that I was right and you were wrong. But go All ahead right. and give us, give us the team that uh, Scotland is sending, sending to Euros. So you're right, Ryan. Although <laughs> there's... The turnaround time from Euros to OQE is very tight. So the Euros is going to be end of the month, end of November, so November twentieth to twenty seventh, and the team will be Jen Dodds, Eve Muirhead, and then along with them, Vicky Wright, and Haley Duff, and Millie Smith. So Haley Duff and Millie Smith, this will be their debut event, uh, a debut kind of event as a Scottish team at a Europeans. Um, the others will all have played internationally before, uh, at that level. Um, so they haven't announced the full lineup officially. I don't think I assume that I assume that it'll probably be, uh, Eve, Vicky, Jen Dodds, and then either rotation or maybe Haley Duffett lead and Millie Smith that as alternate. I'm not quite sure about that part of it, but, um, so you think they might change the lineup again, basically. I, th- I think that that's a possibility, especially if this team goes to Euros and doesn't do well. <clears throat> yeah, maybe they're just trying to keep their options open. Because the, the uh, Olympic qualification event's basically one week after, the, after this event concludes, right? Yeah, the OQE will start uh, December 5th in the Netherlands. Yeah, so it's not... I mean, it's not far from Lillehammer to the Netherlands, but... Uh... <laughs> It's not much time to turn around and change your lineup again. Um, so we'll see. The only the only thing that kind of surprised me was Rebecca Morrison not being a part of this team. I thought that she's played really well. Also, um, like if Eve were to get hurt, who's going to skip that team? I assume, I assume Jen. Jen. Yeah, I assume Jen. But if if Eve were to get hurt, I think that your better option would be having Rebecca Morrison as your alternate in case she needs to go in and skip. And that's why I kind of think that that you'll you'll see Rebecca Morrison included in the team for the OQE. That's just my completely uninformed opinion. But I thought Rebecca Morrison has played great this entire time that they've been switching up the teams and having teams play together. I thought she's played really well. That's why I was kind of su- surprised not to see her part of this team. But again, a lot of it will come down to comes down to team dynamics that may have factored into this it may have been as you said getting a couple of players who haven't seen the ice before uh, at an international event at this level getting them into uh, into an event to get them some experience that probably played into it because the euros yes it decides whether or not they qualify for the upcoming world championships in 2022 the more important event for Scotland slash Great Britain is going to be that Olympic qualifier because that decides whether or not they get to Beijing. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to know just going off a press release what's going in the selectors' minds and I'm going off line scores, right? So I, I will say, uh, reading the press release, as someone who has written a lot, a lot of press releases and has had to create the quotes that are in, attributed to others in press releases, kudos to whoever came up with the quotes attributed to Eve Muirhead in this press release. Absolutely <laughs> top-notch 
uh, top-notch media relations on your part. Outstanding. What I will say is, hopefully the ones who weren't selected, so the four who weren't, are then formed into another team. Like I, I do think that on the women's side, like on the men's side, you clearly have three really strong men's teams at the moment, right? So you've got White, you've got Patterson, and you've obviously got Moet, who's Moet, who's the best team in the world right now. So you've got you've got depth there. You know, early results, if you have if you have that kind of red or blue or whatever their B team is going on tour and collect, they could definitely collect points and be on playing in slams pretty quickly, right? Um, you know, that that would be a very reasonable goal, I think, for British curling for early in the next quad is to have two women's teams regularly qualifying for for slam spots, right? And then you maybe have a little bit more depth. I think the big, big question mark, because Eve's already had one kind of major surgery and kind of missed, missed time with that is, does she go on after this quad or not? I don't, I'm not sure. I think that's kind of an open question. Um, and so hopefully like people like that didn't get selected here, like Gina Aiken and Rebecca Morrison, there's a chance for them who are kind of just on the cusp to develop into some kind of a squad and perhaps be the next kind of women's GB team. Yeah. I think that, that, those players that you just mentioned, especially with Rebecca Morrison and just what we've seen from her in the lead up to this team selection, like that could be a second slam team for Scotland if they were able to get on tour together consistently, which I'm sure they could do with the British curling funding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, and they probably will. I think that's probably, so I can kind of segue a bit. My sense is they're aware of this. So I was coaching last weekend up in Dumfries and I was coaching the, the boys team I normally coach. Uh, and this was kind of a co-ed junior event. So there was a women's section and a men's section. And while I was, while our games were on, they did this Scottish curling, did this event that looked pretty interesting to me. I didn't get to see it, but um, they basically invited all five of the junior women's teams to a special event called this girl can curl. And they had some of the program. I think they had four or five of the women from the Team GB program there, like on all their kit. I'm not quite sure what they were showing, but it was like kind of videos and different stories by women who played for the kind of national squad and talked about the different opportunities, but then also what you have to do. And so there's the junior, the England junior women's team sat, got to sit into that event and kind of see a little bit of it. And I know a lot of the parents also sat through it. Um, now, to me, that looked like a good event that like the problem on the women's side runs all the way down to juniors. Like in that event, there was five junior women's teams and there were 10 junior men's teams. Right. So we're not recruiting equally there. And I mean, I suspect you find similar numbers in a lot of countries, but there's an interesting question about, um, you know, why junior women perhaps drop out very early. And that's been my observation too, is actually just even at Fenton's, we'd have a lot of junior we actually have more junior women than men or junior girls than boys show up at kind of our, our baseline program. So like we had mm-hmm. like a Tuesday junior club and we did this thing called elites and we'd often have more interest at that level from girls than boys. But then when it got more competitive, a lot of the, the junior girls and women just dropped away. Huh. And so it's a, it's an interesting puzzle, right? And, and what can be done? Is it a question of role models? Is it a question of how the events are structured? 
I don't know. I spent a lot of time racking my head about this, but yeah, you're you have a lot you have a lot more experience coaching juniors than I do, so I couldn't begin to give you an explanation as to why that might be the case, but I think I think you might be on it as far as as role models are concerned because I do, I mean just seeing seeing youth sports from the periphery and I'm probably like four years from being kind of (laughs) knee deep in youth sports, uh, assuming that's what (laughs) my kid decides he wants to do. Like it's usually the coaches and the parents are usually the reason that, that kids drop out of activities (laughs) like that. That is true. Yeah. I I do think that, I think that often, um, well, having spent a lot of time on the coaching bench, I think perhaps well-meaning parents and coaches uh, can actually scare kids off, right? I remember just, uh, I won't say who or what, but there was one coach who was reading his team the riot act after the game. And I remember Felix said to me, he's like, I'm glad you never do that with us, John. Like, just like, <laughs> like, I, like I would, I would, uh, he basically was like, I would quit if I was just yelled at after losing, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, and I, maybe that's even, you know, but there could be a gender dynamic there too, where if like the coach is yelling at the women and maybe they don't take, I don't know. It's just like, I could see some of that, some of those behaviors that I see at junior events, not, not even like, I've seen some egregious behavior, but not even like egregious, egregious safeguarding issues. Just yeah, parents and coaches lighting their frustration that the results didn't what go the way they want coming out perhaps sideways at a junior, which then turns them off playing. Right. Cause no one goes out hoping to lose. Right. And, and losing sucks. And then the last thing you want to hear after you lose is you sucked. Why were you terrible? It's not very helpful coaching. Yeah. I got yelled at a lot, which I'm sure that I'm sure that does not surprise you at all, but I got yelled at a lot when I played youth sports. And it's kind of the reason that I didn't, take it as seriously because it was kind of like me as a 10 11 12 year old like that was the way that I responded to getting yelled at all the all the time was to take it even less seriously and make you even more mad (laughs) yeah I think that's you know yeah I think a Yes, the easiest way to lose someone is to be super negative. And that's both like, that doesn't just apply at coaching. It's like at work, if you're in a management role and you start like telling your employees off pretty quickly, your employees might go get jobs somewhere else, right? So it's no different with like juniors. Yep. If, if there's a coach <laughs> there who's very negative and not supportive and maybe not recognizing how tough it is, because I think one of the things about curling is it really is a psychological game at its core. And so there's a lot of pressure, even if you're just playing in a junior bond spiel, right? Uh, and it's your first time having to throw a pressure draw. You're super nervous probably. And then you don't need it if you miss it to be laughed at or mocked by or yelled at by um, one of the coaches. So, Man, if I'd known that we were going to go down this rabbit hole, I would have uh, called our friend Glenn Gabriel at the Coaching Kids Curling Podcast and brought him on as a guest uh, today. So I'll have to I'll have to do that soon. I keep telling Glenn we'll have to have you on the podcast, and yeah. then uh, and then life gets in the way and I forget to call him. So we, yeah, if I'd known we were going to do this, I would have had Glenn on. So uh, if you want if you want more talk about keeping the Utes involved in curling, please go listen to Glenn Gabriel's coaching kids curling podcast. Yeah. I think, you know, 
yeah, I, I think that's. I think the bigger point is it's good to see. A, a program like that put on by Scottish curling that recognizes, okay, we're getting less juniors coming up the women's side. Why is that? And what kind of programming can we put on to kind of try and recruit and encourage people uh, on that side of the program? Hey, the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're getting into the thick of things, Ryan. Uh, yeah, it's a, We've we've kind of talked about it for a couple of months now in that, hey, we've got a really condensed schedule this year because of the Olympics and because everything got canceled for the previous 18 months. And talk about a condensed schedule. Let me give you a rundown of what's happening the next 21 days. We're recording this on Halloween. Let me give you a rundown of what's going on the next three weeks. So you have a slam, which is the national, starting on November 2nd. You have the Pacific Asia Curling Championships starting in Kazakhstan on November 6th. You have the U.S. four-person team curling trials starting in Omaha on November 12th. You have the Euros starting in Lillehammer on November 20th. And that same day, November 20th, you have the Canadian four-person team curling trials starting. So... The next three weeks, just a crazy amount of really high-level events uh, going on around the world. Yeah. So, and I'm actually traveling for the next little bit. So I don't, I don't know. Do we want to preview any of these quickly, or do, uh, what's our plan here? Uh, we, uh, we, we, no, <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan is anti-previews that. now. I'm anti-previews and we don't have that kind of time and you're asking me to preview it now. Like you're making me record off the seat of my pants, which I hate doing. I usually have four pages worth of notes and you're making me record off the cuff, which I hate anyway. And now you're asking me to preview um, five different international level events uh, in five minutes. I mean, I can, I can try. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Okay, the, the best team in the world. All right, so right now, who are the who do we think the best team? Like right now, if you were to do your Ryan McGee rocks across the pond power ranking, who's your best women's team and best men's team on October thirty first, twenty twenty one? Bruce Mowat's the best team in the world on the men's side. And Kerry Anderson has the best team in the world on the women's side. That's pretty. I mean, that, for me, that's pretty easy right now. Okay, that's fair. Those are both totally fair picks. All right. In a month's time, is this going to look differently? No. 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 Okay. Because, like, I mean, look, Homan could beat Anderson in the final of the Canadian curling trial. That doesn't mean that Anderson's team isn't still currently the best team in the world. It means they lost in a final to Rachel Homan. That's kind of what I think is going to happen. All right. If, if let's okay, two things. I could see two things that would really change the narrative because Tracy Fleury just won her second slam. If they yeah. post another good slam result and win the Canadian Olympic trials, which I think is actually possible. Yeah. Um, that would probably change the narrative. I think Hasselberg. I don't, think, I don't. I don't think that's enough to say. Okay, they're a better team overall right now than Anderson's team is. You're talking about a team that's won two straight. Scotties. I think if you win the trials, that's a narrative changer. 
Okay. I think. And I think if like Hasselberg, I could say, all right, so it's things that could also chance it up. If Hasselberg, say, wins the slam, dominates Euros, then all of a sudden I think everyone's like, oh yeah, Hasselberg, they're probably the favorites for the Olympics, right? Like they kind of just crank it up a notch. I wouldn't say they're like been playing terribly, but they haven't been like unbeatable. Tiranzoni, same thing. If they go on a run. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I think, Tiranzoni, I think if Tiranzoni came out and won. All right. Yeah. I'll give you that. If Tiranzoni comes yeah. out and does well at the slam and wins Euros. Yeah. Then I, then yeah. I might change. I might change my thinking to, yeah. Tiranzoni yeah. is the best team in the world on the women's side. And I think if Adine comes out and uh, dominates Euros in the slam, then I think everyone's like, oh yeah, well, Adine might be a little bit more favored than Mowat in the, the Olympics. He's got the experience and blah, blah, blah. And then maybe if one of the big three in <coughs> Canada, so for me right now, the big three are Botcher, Gushu, Kui. And that's just because they've, they've just dominated the Briar for the last few years and dominated the tour. I don't um, know, man. Like there's, I, you don't think some, something just seems a little off about a Dean's team lately. I don't, I, and I know he's the friggin' world champion, but like, it, I, I don't know. He doesn't have the air of invincibility, at least in the last couple years. I think, <laughs> I know if you actually go back on some of our earlier prediction episodes, I fell for this every single time heading into a Worlds and a Euros, and I've learned. It's, true. it's like, I think. I think both Adin and Cooey, like I don't think any team can just flip the switch, right? I think you've actually got to be a veteran who's actually done it before you can kind of do this, yeah, play your way into it. But I think Cooey and Adin, those two teams, they're both veterans, and it's like they probably don't go for it outright crazy in a slam, right? Like Cooey hasn't actually won that many slams in his career. I think Adin's only won two, right? So. Um, but they both are always on Sunday in like a major and, but for me, a major, like a Briar, a world's a euros, right? Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, that's the way Tiger Woods was, was he basically got it to where he was peaking for those four slams every year. Yeah. And I think they, that's not just an accident. They, they know how to do it and they build their season around that. So I am not writing Nicholas Adinov, especially because he's also still the defending world champ, but. Yep. All right, uh, just all right. Real quick, Pacific's things to watch there is which of the up and coming nations uh, slip into the third spot to get a slot at the World Qualification Event. Uh, also, between Japan and Korea, which of those teams winds up winning? Uh, and then on the men's side, same thing between Korea and Japan, which of those teams winds up winning because they only have one guaranteed spot at Worlds. The loser would have to go to the World Qualification Event in Finland in January. Uh, U.S. Curling Trials, it's, is John Schuster going back for another Olympics? He's taken part in every Olympics going back to 2006. Or will one of the younger teams, uh, or the older team, or the older team? <laughs> uh, although they're not, they're not as they're not as old anymore. Now that they've traded uh, traded Greg Persinger out, they got some youth on that team now. Yeah. Um, 
So their 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 average age dropped immensely <laughs> for that. Team. About, we're talking about team ruining. That's we're a talking about team ruining. Who's uh, yeah, social go, media hashtag is old as gold. gold. So <laughs> they're the they're the wily vets. Uh, team Dropkin uh, obviously is the younger team trying to come through there. And then on the women's side, uh, I think you've got three really good teams there. You've got Team Peterson, which just won bronze at Worlds and kind of swept through nationals two years ago. You've got the newly formed team Sinclair that it was a, it was going to be interesting to see how that team did coming together as a new team. And they've played really, really well, both at nationals last year and on tour so far this year. And then team Christensen. Um, So three, three teams that are really good on the women's side. Um, I have no idea which of those teams, might actually come through and become Team USA. I have a feeling that the final is going to be Team Sinclair and Team Peterson. And if that's the case, that's going to be a heck of a final. So hopefully that's what we get uh, on the women's side. Uh, Euros, I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't seen what teams are actually going to be sent there. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. And then the Canadian trials, uh, I think I've said... I think I've said before, my picks are Botcher and Holman. Yeah, those are those are reasonable. I don't. Yeah, I, it's tough. I think you're right. I think it's like Sinclair Peterson. It seems like they're always battling it out at the big events in the U.S. Schuster, I think, has a nose for the Olympics, and until someone knocks him off, I'll kind of keep keep riding that horse. <laughs> or he uh, retires. Or he retires. So that would be. <laughs> he may not. Idea. He may not ever do. Yeah, he may be old as gold in the not too distant right. future. Um, and then let me think, Canada. I don't know. I, I think it will probably be out of that big three of Kui Gushu, Botcher. Uh, you can pick it. I think it's just random at that point. If it's if it's not that on the men's side, I'd be surprised. I feel like the women's side's a little bit more open. I think it's. I think Flurry could definitely have something to say. Holman's been good, but kind of has like hasn't been as dominating this quad as the last quad. And Einerson's had a very strong quad, so I'd say those are the three on the women's side I'd, I'd pick out of that pool. I don't think Holman will dominate, but if you get her in the playoffs, I think that might be game over. Yeah, yeah, I can. I'm not. I'm not saying don't pick Holman. <laughs> like I don't think she'll be at the bottom of the table at the end of the week. I don't think it's like guaranteed though. I'd give her forty percent chance. Forty percent okay. chance. Oh, that's, she wins. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's but good. I still think it's sixty percent chance. It's not her, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind. Of, that's how math works. Thanks. Yeah. Professor. So I'd go like twenty, twenty, twenty-five for for Fleur. Maybe I'd go fifteen to twenty for Flurry. Maybe thirty for thirty, twenty, twenty-five to thirty for for Einerson, and then the rest of the field. That's how I break it down, odds-wise. All right. What else we got? Anything? Nothing I can think of, man. Other than are you going to miss me? I ain't, so where are you going? I am going to Amherst, Massachusetts. You can come. Oh, you can yeah. drive up and come see me. You can drive up. And oh come yeah. See me. I kind of want to go. I kind of want to come up for that Amherst Williams game. Come on up. I'm at a conference, but it's we're done Saturday night. So if you want to drive up, watch the game, and then come see me. I don't know. I think. Uh, 
I think I I think I wasted my ability to do that when I went to Blacksburg for the Virginia Tech Syracuse game. I think I owe I think I owe my wife a uh, a weekend of relaxation uh, instead of me going to a football game. But uh, we'll see. He took a very <laughs> guilty look over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think yeah. that's not happening but i mean i do like it, it is it's the oldest uh oldest rivalry in college football uh amherst and williams i would love to come up for that but uh with i i, I have a feeling it's not going to happen um and then i think we got to do our bad you want me, year do you want me to podcast. record that conversation and put it on the podcast when i that ask be, why don't you just have aaron as your co-host next week or something might Aaron and Fisher <laughs> oh man Fisher might be better than me well Fisher would be better than better than us at uh predictions I'll have him I'm I think I joked that I'm gonna have him do a Olympic prediction uh just by using pieces of candy like <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll do better than us right. and we got the bad I mean, beer bet we gotta, we gotta get that lined up that's oh, gotta yeah. come back you gotta figure that out yeah the bad beer right. bet that we do with our friends from the Game of Stones podcast. Every year we pick winners for both the European A pool and B pool. And the podcast that loses has to drink the beverage of the other podcast choosing. Uh, so we'll have to figure out time to do that as well. Although they've now discovered that you have horrible taste in beer. And so. <laughs> yeah, it really. It, I mean, it's really I can't lose because they, they can't hurt me. <laughs> they can hurt me so pick yes. well <laughs> all right all right enjoy the curling everybody thank you for listening to rocks across the pond a curling podcast if you enjoyed this show we ask you to please leave a review or tell a friend about us your referrals to friends and family are the greatest compliment we can receive and is what allows our show to grow and share our love of this great game you can find all of our past shows and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you again real soon.